0: Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Congratulations again, by the way, to the people who got baptized. We're so excited for you guys. That is really amazing. Back up there. Uh, Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us. Lord, it's not just about dreams and vision. It's about what you call us to. It's about Your Word speaking to us, about telling us how to do a journey that none of us have ever done before. We can read the stories of the heroes of faith of years and decades and centuries past, but Lord, now it's us. We're the ones who are in the stage right now. We're the ones, Lord, that You are calling. We're the ones that You are speaking to. And I pray, God, tonight as I open the Word of God, to each one of us, that you will speak directly to every heart and every life. In Jesus' name, amen. I really felt this month to zero in on uh, what it means to be devoted. and So I spoke about that last Sunday morning and then this morning, another message that's up on YouTube by Wednesday and podcast is out by then if you want to listen to it or watch it. Uh, But tonight I want to very quickly open up to you about your vision and your calling. A God-given vision, by definition, is a compelling mission. By that I mean this, God never asks us if we'd like to. Think about that a minute. We are so used to having all the options under the sun, to getting invitations. I'll never forget Luke Johnson came to one of our staff and uh, head kind of strategy team meetings. And I said, Luke, tell me about your age group, your generation. What's one of the number one qualities? And he said this to me. He said, my generation always keeps options open no matter what. And I said, what do you mean? He said, they'll tell you they're coming. What that means really, that's code for, it shows you how well I remember this, Luke, He says, it's code for I'm coming at the moment, but if I get a better offer, I'm going with it. And I remember going like, really? Because I don't come from that space. To me, if I tell you I'm doing something, I'm going to do it, you know, unless something drastic intervenes. And yet, even to this generation, and I'm speaking to a lot of people here way, way younger than I am. But I want you to understand something that nowhere in the Bible does God ever come to anyone and say, would you like to? You know, when the 12 disciples left everything and followed Jesus, it wasn't because Jesus came and said, listen, I'm getting together a team and I think it's gonna be fun. And would you like to come? He never did that. He went up to every one of them and he said, follow me and walked off. And you only had two choices. Yes Or no, when Jesus appeared to the man Saul who becomes the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus and he says, who are you? And he says, I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting. The Apostle Paul never said, well, listen, I never realised that you were really alive. I never realised I was persecuting you. But you know what? If there's anything I can help you out with, why don't you call me? I'll see if I've got space in my timetable. Maybe I can help out. He never said that. He said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And so the Pharisee of the Pharisees, the strictest of all the Jewish sects, becomes the very thing he despised the most, which was someone who opens the door to Gentiles, to non-Jews. Later on, he writes this to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16, 17, he says, woe unto me if I don't preach the gospel. He says, this is not a, I'd like to, or I can. He says, this is something I'm compelled to do. And i got to be honest, well, I'm I'm honest anyway, but can I be honest, it's just me being polite. Uh, But I get a little bit tired of, hearing people preach about vision or the call of God as though somehow or other it's just another option you could put somewhere into your, you know, maybe it'll fit on your resume. I think no matter who you are, no matter what space you occupy in what I call church world, whether you're up at a platform where the people know your name or whether you are never known by anybody, I believe every believer's called. I do. I believe every believer is called to that. A vision for self will always lack the power to take you through the obstacles you'll encounter in life. You know, the very first vision that Joseph had was a vision of self. If you go back and read in Genesis 37, where he has a dream, the substance of two dreams was all Joseph. It's all about me. It's all about what I'm going to do, about who I'm going to be, about the privilege I'm going to have but it wasn't enough to sustain him. Later on in life, he reveals to his brothers in Genesis 50, if you want to look it up later in verse 20, he reveals to his brothers somewhere between it's all about me and the final part of his life, he gets a revelation that it was always about God and not about Him. Those of you who got baptised, right now I would understand you're overwhelmed with this is what Jesus has done for me. But can I tell you, somewhere in your life, there's gonna come a revelation. It's actually not about you. It's actually not just about getting you from where you are. So many people in this church, we're from 80 something nationalities. On the last Sunday, I'm gonna talk about what I believe is the divine purpose. behind. I always thought it was just something really cute. I remember the South African minister for sport, came with the Springboks one Sunday night. They all sat over there. You could tell that they were not average people because they were massivest people I've ever seen in my life. Like Mercy, the you know, legs like tree trunks, shoulders that never fitted in a chair. And I didn't know who the guy was, but he came to me later and he said, do you mind if I ask you, how do you do this? And I said, how do you do what? Well? I didn't know who he was. And I said, how do you do what? He said, how do you put all these people from all these different backgrounds together in such harmony? I'll tell him, it had never occurred to me to think it was weird. I just said, well, I guess it's because we've got one vision and what unites us is more important than what might divide us. And it was only afterwards I found out I was talking to the South African Minister for Sport. Anyway, long story short, let me get into this message because I want to talk to everybody here about how to be devoted to what God's called you to. All right? So I'm going to put the points up for you so you can read them, but I'm going to actually turn to every verse that I quote to you. It might take us a little bit longer, but I don't want you to be a, an audience tonight for the Word of God. I want you to look it up. If you don't have it, or you can get it, the You version, you can get that on your phone, go to the Connect Hub, the guys or girls there. We'll show you how to download it. You can take the Bible everywhere you go. Or you might be old-fashioned and read it in a paper Bible. No matter how you do it, they all work, all right? So I'm going to try this for a while because I've noticed some people are just, they're just kind of not reading it for themselves. I want you to do that. All right, here's number one. If you want to be devoted to your calling, here's number one. Give all of yourself to God. That's so simple. But you know what? Prudence, a relatively new Christian who wrote me a card today that said, I'm so grateful for all the people at Metro that have helped me in my journey with Christ. She said that when she got into the tank. Did you hear what she said? I want to give all of myself to God. I thought, wow, that's quite profound. Because so many people give their heart to Jesus and then stop. They give their heart to Jesus and then never give him anything else. Listen to what Paul wrote to Timothy. This is 1 Timothy chapter 4, so I'm going to turn to it in my paper Bible. This is a bit different, it. I haven't done this for years. 1 Timothy, I'll be the first one there, maybe. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. Paul is writing to a pastor of a church that is exploding. And uh, he's already a Christian, obviously. So take this then with that knowledge in mind. Verse 14. Do not neglect the gift that's in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Watch this. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may become evident to everyone. In other words, there's a whole chunk of the fruit you're meant to have in life that lies on the other side of your next surrender to Jesus. Did you get that? I'll say it again. There's a whole, you've got to get this. I don't believe any of you are meant to live like you are now. I don't care how old you are. You might be 95. My dad was 99 and a half last year when he passed away. But every day up until then, my dad kept saying to me, there's so much more to do. Because he recognised while you're breathing, you haven't finished. All right? So that means you, no matter who you are, I don't care if you've retired from your job, maybe, or you are not yet into a job, you're still studying. Can I say to you, there's a whole chunk of what you think is going to be your fruit for God that lies on the other side of your next surrender to Christ. Are you with me? So that means my surrendering to Christ is not something I do at the start when I say yes to Jesus. It's something I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I don't know about you, I'm still saying yes, yes to Christ. Some of the things that I'm going to unpack in the next couple of weeks, to be really honest, I'm, they, they've come out of my last surrender to Jesus. Where I'm going, I'm not sure I want to do those things. But I go, that's irrelevant because if I surrender, I give all of myself to God. Here's the second thing. If you want to be devoted to your calling, you've got to make hope and faith your daily companions. I was walking through the bush yesterday with the dog, thinking about this message, which may turn up sometime or other, on the beauty of boredom. Because, you know, we live in a world that's so excitement-soaked. And unfortunately, so many Christians are. If they go to church and there isn't something amazingly, spectacularly different, they don't want to go back next week. Which is why you meet so many Christian butterflies going to that church this week because they've got something special on and going to that church next week because they've got something better they've seen on Facebook. And I'm going, listen, if you don't let God walk with you through the ordinary days, you'll never really experience the great days. Make hope and faith, your daily companions. Look at Mark's Gospel chapter five. I cannot, this is so strange here Mike turning pages in the Bible. Never gets old. No, it doesn't, sister, you're so right there. Mark 5 verse 36. "As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, watch this, He said to the ruler of the synagogue don't be afraid, only believe. And I've heard people say that. It sounds like just such a lovely thing to say. Don't be afraid, only believe. But really, you kind of got to get into Jesus' mindset and understand that what is underlying that is this. In Jesus' mind, there's only two options. Fear or faith. There ain't a third place you can park your life. You're either letting fear tell you what you might be, you're either letting fear tell you what your limits are, your boundaries are. I said this morning about uh, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. We won't turn to that one. When Jesus said, uh, You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses both in Jerusalem. They'll go, ha ha, that's home. We need to get that one. Judea, they go, yeah, we're tramped all around there with you, Jesus. Samaria, we visited that with you once. And then Jesus says the next bit that freaks them all out because none of them have ever been there. He says, and He's speaking to people that have never been more than 50 Ks from home. And He says to them, after the Holy Spirit comes on you, you're going to go, and to the outermost parts of the earth, and they're all going, whoa, oh, whoa, hold on, it's thick. We don't speak any other language but Hebrew, uh, Aramaic. We don't know anything else. We how could we possibly do that? And right there, Jesus is not trying, Jesus is never trying to give you a scripture, he's trying to teach you life, right? So when He says the outermost parts of the earth, again, what He's saying to them is, don't you dare draw a boundary around your life that I didn't draw. Are you with me here? Come on, you've got to get this. I know I'm sitting down talking to you. I know we've just had heartstrings and we're all mellow yellow and all the rest of that. But, but you can still get excited where you are. I want to say this to you again. Don't you dare draw a boundary around your life that God didn't draw. Don't you dare say, I can't, I'll never be able to. That was impossible. I won't be able to. Don't draw a boundary around your life that God didn't put there. Amen. If He says the uttermost parts of the earth, I'm guessing you can go there. All right. Make hope and faith your daily companions. And He says to this ruler of the synagogue, here's your choice. Are you going to believe or are you going to let fear rule? When fear knocks at your door, because it will, make sure that faith is what goes to answer the door. When fear knocks, I've been there in family, in finance, in church life, in leadership, in my personal life. I've been there where fear wants entrance to your life. And the only thing, you can ignore it. I'll tell you, it'll just keep on knocking. It's smart. uh, Sorry, Samson, not Samson. Goliath, if you read it in 1 Samuel 17, Samson came out every day for 40 days and there would have been 41 and 42 and 43 and 44 and 45 except that on the 40th day, somebody with faith answered the call. There would have been 41, 42, 43 until one guy says, what shall be done to this uncircumcised Philistine, seeing that he has defied the armies of the living God? So I'm saying that to you and you might go, Jeff, I don't feel like I'm full of faith. Hello, I, I don't know that. Well, actually, I do feel full of faith sometimes, but it sure isn't like an overwhelming emotion. Like I don't walk around with a space blanket of Holy Spirit faith. I'm like you, i got a brain that goes, what if and how come and that won't. And I've got to make a choice every day of my life. To make faith my and hope my daily companions. Number three, choose your future over your feelings. If there is a more important lesson for someone starting out than this, I don't know what it is. Choose your future over your feelings. Can't be bothered. That's just a feeling, it's a luxury that the called don't have. It's too hard. Well, that's a mentality that just doesn't live in the mindset of somebody who goes, but this is what God's called me to do. I don't want to. How many people here have ever felt like I don't want to? I don't want to pray. I don't want to read the Bible. I don't want to go to church. You know, I remember hearing about a guy once whose mum came in and said, you've got to get up. It's time to go to church. And he said, I don't want to go, mum. She said, you've got to go. And He said, mum, I don't want to go. Last time I went, people looked at me funny. I'm not sure everyone there likes me. I don't think I'm going to go. She says, son, you've got to go. And he says, mum, why have I got to go? And she says, son, you've got to go. You're the pastor. They <laughs> still laugh at my jokes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yours was, but no, Tessie was laughing sincerely. I watched. Listen, get this, Please. Do you know one of the greatest lessons the Holy Spirit's going to want to teach you? He's going to want to teach you how to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. You know, when I first became a Christian, I hear people talk about the flesh and it was all about ungodly habits and stuff and we are all like, ooh. And after a while, I began to realise when the Bible speaks about the flesh and the Bible does, by the way, go read the book of Romans. It's like the flesh every chapter. But what he's really talking about is not about, you know, some kind of, immoral behaviour, that might be the flesh. But what he's really talking about is a life that's driven by human appetite and by human vision rather than by godly purpose. That's really what it is. And you've got to choose that. Hello? Hello? We have rosters in this church for things you're committed to. Some people go, well, if people wanted to, they wouldn't need a roster. I go, the roster is there for the days when their flesh is talking to them. Amen. Turn to your neighbour and say, he was preaching that to you. Here's the fourth one. I'm going to be finished in about five minutes flat. (laughs) Here's the fourth one. Get this one. I wish I had like an hour on this. Think about this one. Number four, if you want to be devoted to your calling and see the fruit God's got for you, number four, walk in partnership. I'm going to make a statement to you that you'll have to go away and think about because you're going to go, yeah, whatever, or... Are you sure? But think about it. Connections are always the doorway to destiny. I'm going to say that, and then I'm going to read to you from Acts chapter 9, verse 26 through to 28. Acts 9, this is Saul, who's going to become the apostle Paul. Listen to what it says about him. He's encountered Jesus, verse 26, When Saul had come to Jerusalem, watch this, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. They thought he was going undercover to try and ferret out the Christians so he could chuck more of them in jail or kill them. So he gets saved, really saved, but nobody believes him. So here is this guy that, watch this, he's had a profound encounter with Jesus but his spiritual life stops. Nothing further is going to happen until. But Barnabas doesn't say, but the angel of the Lord. Doesn't say, but the Holy Spirit. Doesn't say, but God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all turned up. Somebody, another believer called Barnabas, the son of encouragement, took him and brought him to the apostles. That's why Barnabas' gift of vacant land that he owned, where he came and he put the proceeds at the apostles' feet, and they called him the son of encouragement. I don't know what people thought about Barnabas when he did that. Who's this guy trying to grandstand, you know, making a big donation to the church? But you know, his pure heart meant that God gave him a, a, the ear of the apostles. They believed him. And why was that important? Not so that he gets in on the inner goss of what the apostles are about, but because one day a guy called Saul is gonna profoundly encounter Jesus and someone needs to intervene to take him to the apostles. Never would have happened without something as ordinary as his giving. Think about that a minute. And he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, that he'd spoken to them and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And the whole of Saul slash Paul's life gets turned on its ear, completely reversed. Why? Yes, because he encountered Jesus. Secondly, it's because he encountered Barnabas. Do you realise this? You've got to get this because otherwise too many people act like, you know, destiny is just all up to me. And I go, no, it's not. It's up to the connections God brings you into. That's why we talk about belonging to church. We're not trying to build a membership base. Trust me. If I was, there'd be a whole lot of things I'd do vastly differently. If I was trying to build a crowd, I'm not trying to build a crowd. Membership's not about that. Membership is about connecting you so that destiny can unfold for your life. That's what it's about. And who knows where that might end up. There once was a young man called Hayden working in a jewellery store who had moved from Kalgoorlie down to Perth somehow or other had come along to this place called Metro Church. When he heard about Red Frogs, he thought, I can do that. So he took some annual leave and went down on a Red Frogs uh, tour where nothing was that solidly planned because it couldn't be. 20 years later, I interviewed the same guy who tells you about how 400,000 people get impacted Because he made a connection 20 years ago. Are you with me? Listen to me. If you won't stand still long enough to build connection, you will forfeit your destiny. That's a really big deal. There's no such thing as individual destiny. Your destiny is too great for you to carry it on your own. Amen. Last one. I'm finished after this. If you want to live devoted to your calling, yeah, give all of yourself to God. Make hope and faith your daily companions. Choose your future over your feelings. Walk in partnership. Here's the fifth one. Live strong. Don't worry, the creative team are just getting ready to come. Watch here. Live strong. I say that because for so many people, They don't live strong, they live in response. So if things are going good, they're good. Things are going bad, they're bad. Really? Again, let's go to the guy Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm just going to read these quickly to you. They're quite uh, an insight into what Paul tells a young person who's beginning to lead. So you all here? Are you young people here that are beginning to lead? You're listening? Are you? You're getting this because it's for you. That's you. And I'm not looking at how young you look. I don't care if you're 70. You're young because you're not dead. Amen. It's true. Amen. I'm planning to live to 120. So, I, I'm, you know, I've kind of got a long way to go. So I've I got to practice this because I want to be there well at the end. I want to live strong. I'm one of those people who's, you know, looks like they got baptized in water, and then somewhere in their Christian life, they got baptized in prune juice. Huh? You ever met a Christian like that? Look like they're baptized in prune juice. All they ever talk about is all the things they can't control: the weather, the government, coronavirus, toilet paper shortages. Hang around here and listen to people like that or that or that or that and listen to the conversation that comes out. I'll tell you the most biggest thing here, if you measure Hayden's words for a week or Fow's words for a week, I'll tell you the biggest thing won't be toilet paper shortage. Oh, we'll laugh about it, we'll have a joke about it. But I'll tell you what the biggest part of what they're going to talk about is who they're reaching and what they're doing, how God is using them, all this kind of stuff. Go talk to Michael Partha about, about he's gonna I bumped into him last night and he just come from over over at over at the boulevard and he says i'm so excited about alpha and i go i'm really excited about alpha as well i'm not even going to it but i'm excited about it because i think what a, we want to use every possible strand we can to reach people whether it's a big event like dinner in church where you know scores of people that never come to church come Or whether it's going to be whatever size group it is tomorrow night that are going to meet here at seven o'clock and people can still join it and come to it because there's no cost for it. That's ludicrous. Food's free, but anyway. (laughs) Here's 2 Timothy 1, verse 6. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. He doesn't say, by the way, I know life's tough, but I will see what you can do. He doesn't say, oh, look, we're afloat on the great river of life. Pray God that the current will take us somewhere. He says, stir out the gift of God. It's in you by the laying on of my hands. Then he goes on verse seven, good verse to memorize. For God has not given us the spirit of fear. Greek word timidity. Not sure. What if? What if? What if I'm wrong? Well, what if you're right? What if it doesn't work? What if it does? I've laid our hands on just about every kind of person you can think of with every kind of disease you got. I think I've prayed for people with leprosy, just about everything you can think of. And, you know, I still might get that little voice going, what if it doesn't work? I go, what if it does? God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of power, love and of a sound mind. Look at verse 8. Therefore, don't be ashamed. He says, live bold. Look at verse 13. Hold fast the pattern of sound words. All these things, he says, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Verse 3. You must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He says to this young Christian leader, hello guy, toughen up princess. Thus endeth the lesson. You don't remember anything out of this message but the last line, go home, say to yourself tomorrow morning, toughen up, princess. I don't feel like it, toughen up, princess. By the way, if you're from another country where that's not a thing, here in Australia, that's a thing. (laughs) Toughen up, princess. It means stop being a sook. I think Australians are the only people to say sook. A a wuss, a a what? Someone's yelling from behind the curtain. Uh, What it means is, come on. Life's tough sometimes, but our calling is great. So let's live like you matter. Let's live like you're called. Let's live like God is with us. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's pray. I'm going to get us to sing together in a minute that song because I want to give you a moment to be able to express it and respond to God. So we're going to sing to that, that last song, Nat, please, that I'll follow you anywhere. And I want to give everyone here a moment to be able to stand before God and say, God, I'm not just singing a song here. I'm telling you this. I'll follow you anywhere. Because I'm going to live devoted to my calling. The world doesn't need more Christians in church, it needs more Christians that are devoted to the purpose of God, They will be a part of church. But you know, they don't change because they walk out of a church door, go to their workplace. They don't lose their faith or their confidence or their strength because they go to a shopping centre or somewhere They are strong for God wherever they are. Amen. Maybe you're here tonight though, and you might say, "Jeff, I've never started a walk with God, and I wouldn't know how to." Let me help you, because really, it's as simple as saying, "Yes, I married a couple last Friday or week." You know, marriage is a whole lot. Cost them an arm and a leg. Massive amount of money they'd spent. Good on them. They loved it. It was great. But you know, the entire marriage ceremony boils down to just two sentences. The entire thing. And you have to say them by law in this country. You have to say, I'm taking you to be my husband. He has to say, I'm taking you to be my wife. In other words, they've got to say publicly they're yes to each other. And that's what makes you married all the cakes and the flowers and in this case, the fireworks and stuff. All of that's just part of the celebration. The real crux of it is someone saying yes to another person. That's all I want to do with you right now. So just every head bowed, please, every eye closed. If you're here tonight and you say, Jeff, I don't know Jesus like that, but I'd like to say yes to Him tonight. Those people who got baptised said yes to Jesus. Just like this, just like this. I remember when I said yes, it was a worship night. He said yes to Christ. His life changed. If that's you tonight, you'd like me to pray with you right where you are. Just all you've got to do is just slip your hand up so I can see it. And then I'm going to pray with you right where you are tonight. It's as easy as that. You don't have to do more than that. You're not going to get interrogated or anything like that. I want to pray with you right where you are. Is there anybody like that just wherever you are tonight? You say, that's me, Jeff. Would you pray for me? Would you pray with me tonight? I don't know Jesus. I'm just looking around. No one else is. I'm looking around for you because I want to pray with you. If that's you tonight. If you're saying, I want to say yes to Jesus. I don't know you all. Maybe you don't know Christ. Maybe you do. For the people that are listening to this podcast, because people do. Wherever you are, I'm going to pray this prayer anyway because... I know people are watching it. We got a yes text at 12.31 this morning from somebody who'd been in a service. Had to be to have heard their number. They're in a service. They never said yes in the service, but they said yes after. So let me pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, thank You for dying for me because I matter to You. Forgive me. Save me. Be my Lord and lead me. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Father, I'm praying that for the people that are going to yes text this week. The people, Lord, that are listening to this in a podcast, to someone sitting here who's on the verge of saying their yes to you. Thank you for them. Thank you for what that will unleash for them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, you'll see up on the screen coming up for you now. Say yes. If you want to say yes to Christ, text yes to 0488. 826-392. And if you do that, then tomorrow morning or the day after you get it, 7am from our church, not from anywhere else, you'll get a scripture and a prayer it fits on one screen of your smartphone. You get a different one every day for 30 days or until you opt out if you choose to. And uh, you'll get discipled every day just like that. You can do it also on the web, so You get it via email. Just... Uh, Say yes to yes.metrochurch.org.au or just grab one of these slips. They're out of the Connect Hub. And we would love to be able to join with you in your journey for Christ.